everybody. Hope you're well. Welcome back to another edition of Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and I am delighted to be joined by a panel of Italian football experts who are going to talk us through the second round of Serie A action. First up, Mr. Vittorio Campanile, my right-hand man. Even though he carries all of the weight, I just ask him questions. Uh, Vittorio, how are you, my friend? Not bad, thanks. Thank you very much. Even though the weekend wasn't amazing from my point of view, but still glad football is back. We will touch on the Lazio game a little bit later on, but it was dreadful. It was awful. Spoil your holidays? Uh, no, no, I'm happy we took a point at least. But yeah, Torino is very tough to play against. So I'm, I'm pleased about the point. Are you still on your holidays? Are you still enjoying the sun, enjoying the sea? Ready for Lazio Inter this Friday. There we go. Look at that dedication, Vittorio, on his holidays. Kind enough to join us uh, for the podcast. Also joining us, uh, Alessandro. How are you, my friend? All good. All good. A bit sad for losing uh, Gini Wijnaldum so early on the season. However, uh, top of the league and waiting for Juventus. Yeah, I can't <laughs> complain. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. And also making his Serie A debut at 90 Mins, Marco Biferi. Marco, how are you, man? Welcome to the panel. Well, thank you, Harry. Uh, well, how can you be after a game la from last night? I mean, it was dreadful. It was torture. It was really, really bad. <laughs> Marco is our resident Juve man, so uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you guessed that anyway, based yeah. on uh, his introduction there. Um, let's start with Juventus. Obviously, held to a nil-nil draw by Sampdoria. I think it's worth discussing the game, but I think it's worth discussing also the wider picture, the wider issues at Juventus, things that were visible, I think, last season, but have carried over into this season as well under Max Allegri. Um, Marco, what's your assessment of Allegri's second spell at the club so far? And what are your concerns? Because I assume, based on what you said, that you've got plenty. Uh, well, to be honest, now that you mention it, I don't think it started last season. I think this is something that comes from uh, Allegri's last season from the first cycle. I think that's where it all started to go wrong. And not only on, on Allegri's side, it was mostly from, from Andrea Agnelli as well. I think that since then, since 2019, we haven't made one right decision. We appointed Sari in 2000. 19 2020 we didn't support him we didn't back him like in the transfer windows we didn't get him the players that he needed we just gave him basically Allegri's team then you get Pirlo and you give Pirlo a team that would have worked for Allegri and then Pirlo does okay like compared to what we have now and you sack him to bring back Allegri when you try to like build a new cycle from scratch, which is something that you cannot do with Allegri. That's something that you do with a with a manager like Conte or or someone who, who knows how to build a team from from zero. And that's that's not Allegri. And this is just we're, we're running in circles at the moment. Uh, if you see the transfer market, the, the the players that we want to get, they are all 29, 30 years old, signing for like two, three years, just to get him like an instant team, you know. Um, so now there are many, many issues. Yeah, the main one is Allegri at the moment, but I think that right behind him is is Andrea Agnelli. 
Vittorio, let's come to you. Um, I, I know you're always happy to stick the boot in on Juventus. What do you think is, uh, what, what do you make of what Marco's had to say there? Do you agree with it? Are there elements of it that you disagree with? Give us your take. I, I agree, but I think the that Agnelli is more responsible than Allegri. I mean, Agnelli, when he took charge of everything, he did a complete disaster. As Marcos was mentioning, you hire Sarri, you have to give him time and players. Then you do, you go to Pirlo and you do exactly the same mistake. You didn't give him players, you didn't give him time. I thought, honestly, Pirlo wasn't the right manager. First experience at all, you cannot start with Juventus. You have to start from the bottom. So that was a huge mistake. But as Marco was mentioning, I thought the first big mistake was Cristiano Ronaldo. I know people say, how can you say Ronaldo is a mistake? But you go and spend 100 million just to get him, plus the salary, plus everything else. It, it didn't work out. Not only Juventus is in financial debts for Cristiano Ronaldo, a club that was having a lot of money and they wasted all for Cristiano Ronaldo. I know they wanted to win the Champions League and I understand, but you build a team. You don't sign a player and you say, OK, we're going to win the Champions League. You have to build a team around them. You have a project. So you sign, I don't know, uh, Max, uh, you sign Sarri and then you have to get the players for Sarri. You don't just sign a Sarri. One year didn't work. OK, you're gone. So I think Agnelli is the main responsible here. And it's evident. He, I mean, Interfan should build a statue for a, for a, Agnelli. Inter won the Scudetto thanks of Agnelli that sent away Marotta. Thanks that Agnelli that fight with Conte. I mean, the last Scudetto of Inter is Marotta-Conte. I mean, Inter fans should be so happy about what Agnelli did. And he continued to make mistakes because, as Marco was mentioning, this is an instant team. Di Maria is 36 years old. He's good. I don't discuss that. But how long will he play? I mean, now he's injured already. So that, that's not a good start. He's 36. Do you think next year he's going to play at this level? Uh, Pogba, yeah, great signing, uh, the, uh, zero fee, etc. But he's 29. Uh, Kostic is a player I love, another 29 years old player. Sign, I mean, we're going to talk about Milan probably, but Milan, they signed the Ketelare. He's 20. You know, that's the type of players you have to build from. You know, build a young team with obviously players ready to win now, which is not very easy. Don't go and spend a lot of money on Di Maria, etc. Uh, Agnelli is a problem. Allegri is another problem. So this is why yesterday match was so boring, I think. Just another thing I wanted to add to that is that, for okay. example, we, we had some young players like Kulosevsky, Kiesa, and you give them to someone like, like Allegri who doesn't want to build them to make them better. Kulusevsky played last um, last season, yeah, like the first five months with Juventus. He didn't he didn't have a, a, a specific position. He played him yeah. in all different positions. He never worked in like any of them. He used them uh, as a trequartista, like a number ten, which didn't make sense at all. He went to the Spurs a week later with Conte. He was already scoring goals. And yeah, and, and we are not even. One of the things that Allegri said on the um, on the press conference where he when he came back was that the the Juventus had brought him back to basically to win and to make the the players better. He hasn't done any because I cannot mention one player that since last year has gotten better. I cannot mention at all like one 
there's none. And, Most and of them sold, have gotten worse. And they sold the biggest young, younger talent they have, the league, right? He yeah, was exactly. the only younger that had talent, and they sold him. And if Chiellini didn't want to leave, they still had Chiellini and Bellucci playing there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Chesney, 10 years ago, was playing for Arsenal, and he's starting for, for Juventus now. I mean, next year they're going to sign for a over 34-5 season, right? Said, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, seeing what Milan is doing, they're doing exactly the, 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 the wrong way. That's the blueprint, isn't it? Ali, uh, Vittorio mentioned that Inter fans should build a statue for Agnelli because uh, he's responsible in, in some ways for, for obviously Inter kind of getting uh, over their Scudetto drought. What about from a Roma perspective, looking in, listening in to all the things that the guys have said? Would you agree with those, those, those kind of conclusions, I guess? Uh, I mean, I'm scared to talk about Juventus the week before the, the game against Juventus because, you know, historically, <laughs> they never die. <laughs> uh, however, I, I agree with Vittorio when, when he says uh, the, the, the first problem starts when Agnelli uh, agrees with Paratici and disagrees with Marotta when it was time to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. Agnelli and Paratici thought, okay, Cristiano Ronaldo is the last piece of our puzzle in order to win the Champions League. Marotta disagrees because uh, historically, Juventus are, has been always above the players. Juventus are bigger than the players. You, Ronaldo, for maybe for the first time in, in a century, was bigger than Juventus. Then, to, to keep Ronaldo... Obviously, you, you need to go low budget on the midfielders. Because in another situation, the goal of Juventus, the main target uh, for Juventus, would have been Milinkovic-Savic after the first, second season of Lazio, because it was the, the best midfielder in Serie A. Usually, this is the player they target, but they obviously hadn't the chance economically to sustain this sign. Then, low budget and Everything was a, a consequence. And if you if you sign Sari, you need to, to give him time, especially in a club we, uh, like Juventus. Because, I mean, um, to me, a uh, club have in, in a sort of DNA. In, in, in that way, uh, signing Sari uh, means changing the DNA of Juventus. And you need to give him time and players to do it. You cannot ask him to do it with the players you have. Yeah, this is the situation, but they never die. So I'm I'm really scared now. He's reluctant to, <laughs> to go to you, uh, isn't it? Um, let's let's take it back to the game against Sampdoria. Um, it, it wasn't a good Juve performance. It it was boring. <laughs> it was dull. It wasn't a great watch. And um, you know, for those of you that have an interest in the Premier League as well, of course, there was that game between Manchester United and Liverpool going on at the same time. And I can imagine there were a lot of people that switched over because for me, I don't even think Juve looked particularly threatening. They did have the ball in the back of the net once, but Vlavic was offside, of course. Um, Do you know What was your assessment of the game? Do you want to know how many balls Vlavic touched in the first half? Three. Three. Wow. One was when they kicked off the ball at the beginning. Yep. The second one was uh, in a corner against us that he basically uh, threw back. 
So three balls in the first half. There, there are many pictures right now on Twitter where you can see how the buildup of, um, of the match was yesterday. And there was no one in the midfield. It was the four, the four in the back, no one in the midfield, and the rest up top. We have no, not even a single trace of what a tactic or anything is like. We, I think Allegri just tells them, just go and do whatever you want, because it doesn't make sense at all. Uh, at the moment, uh, it's just it's just horrific, especially for Blahovic, because you see him like suffer. He 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 he's not getting in the in in the game, and 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 it's all because of the tactics. Can I say something before we talk about the match? I thought Juventus made the wrong move again. I mean, they need a regista. They need someone that moved the ball, and they didn't. Pogba is not that type of player. Now they're trying to sign Paredes. Are we sure he's the right player for that? Because the problem of Vlaovic, he's a striker that stays in the box and need the ball there. But you need to get the ball in front, and yeah. you don't have anybody there. So for me, the wrong mistake, the mistake they made is not signing a regista. And we see it against Sampdoria, who is not a great team because I saw Atalanta Sampdoria and it was another dreadful match. So it's not that they drew against Real Madrid. They drew against Sampdoria. That is a terrible team this year. They don't have a regista. They don't have a, nobody that moves the ball fast. So it's easy to defend against Juventus. Not only that, they're, they're playing Locatelli as a regista, which is not yeah. his position. And you have this kid, Rovella, in the, on the bench, who has played already two seasons, I think, at Genoa. So he has played in Serie A. Why don't you give him the chance? No, you just prefer playing Rabiot that last week was basically at old trouble so, already. Yeah. <laughs> so you prefer playing Rabiot over the kid. And that's another thing. He doesn't give any type of chance to young players. We have Fagioli, who was the best player in Serie B last season. He, I, I read today that we might send him on loan. Yeah. Because uh, we had Rovella, who has played two seasons in Serie A already. So he, he has a bit of experience. He, he played yesterday like 15 minutes. And we have Miretti, who he has played a bit more, but he's still not giving him enough trust. Trust, sorry. So basically, he has been. Allegri has said throughout the whole summer that Blahovic needs to play in a four-three-three formation with two 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 wingers right next to him. And then he started the season, and for example, against Sassuolo, it was the same because the first twenty minutes it was awful. We were playing because he. That's the thing with Allegri. He always plays 4-4-2. He, he always plays uh, players out of position. He plays Rabiot on the left wing. He plays yeah. McKinney. It's always some variation of a 4-4-2. Yeah. And then why do you but say... Rabiot is always off position, though. When he's in <laughs> yeah. the pitch, on the he's pitch, off position. Off position. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, but, but to be honest, Rabiot can be useful when you're playing a midfield too. That's where he's a bit... I, I remember last season against Inter, he basically pocketed. Uh, Barella, but yeah, you, you talk because about small. <laughs> yeah, you talk during but... the whole summer that you're gonna play four three three, and then you come and play four four two all over again. McKenny was playing yesterday behind Blahovic, which doesn't make doesn't make any type of no. sense because the main the main good thing about McKenny is that he can play from the midfield and get into the box and surprise the defense. If you play him where. <clears throat> If you play him where he played him yesterday, you just you just lose everything, every sense of surprise for him, basically. Ale, we were we would we'll take it back to Vlavic just for a second because I'm I'm really interested in the Vlavic discussion because 
being an Arsenal fan, we were heavily linked with him last January. There was so much noise about that. It never happened. He ended up going to you uh, to Juventus instead. The Arsenal fan base were in meltdown. I can't believe it. We haven't got Dusan Vlavic in through the door. This is the disaster. Some Arsenal fans still think that that is why they didn't make the Champions League last season. The truth is the player never wanted to come to Arsenal. That was never on the cards. But in terms of his poor performances at the moment and his inability to get involved in the game. Ali, how much percentage of that would you put down to Vlahovic himself as a player maybe not doing enough? And how much of it would you put down to the team not being functional and the team not being able to get the maximum out of him? Um, if Vittorio allows me, let me do a comparison. It's the same reason, no? We we always say, okay, Chiro Immobile doesn't perform in, with the national team. This is more or less same situation. It's switched from the offensive game style of Fiorentina and Italiano to Juventus. When basically he, he, he didn't receive any balls and they, they didn't feed him. So it's tricky for him. Uh, I really love Vlaovic because thanks of of, of Lavic, I won the last fantasy football with my friends. But when 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 was draft time in the season, I didn't sign him. I didn't want him because I thought, okay, this season he'll be in danger. Obviously, as a Arsenal fan, uh, you 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 were worried last season was a big chance to sign him. But for example, for Arsenal, I think I strongly believe. Gabriel Jesus is the perfect fit. Uh, if we need to talk about percentage, uh, I mean, uh, if you're a great manager, you need to be able to trigger your, your best striker and uh, to make him play the best way possible. So I, I strongly believe uh, Vlaovic is a great striker. They need to find a way. Hopefully it won't be next weekend. To, to, to make it perform. So you, you still haven't given me a percentage, though. Is it 70% Juve, 30% Vlavic? Is it more in Juve's court? How do you... Uh, I, I would say... Uh, I would say 65-35, uh, because maybe 60-40. Because if you have Vlaovic, you need to understand you are going to Juventus and you need to uh, change your level and going to the top. So... Uh, also, Vlaovic needs to adapt to Juventus. I think Ali's been generous to Juventus there. What, what yeah. do you guys think in terms of percentage? Vittorio, I'll come to you first. I told you, I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think maybe it was too early for Vlaovic to go to a club like Juventus. I would opt to say a Fiorentino or that type of level because I think he has to grow. He, ha he still has to improve. I thought the price was too, too much. I, I thought Vlaovic doesn't deserve 70 million euros. So that's one thing. Uh, I think in modern football, strikers cannot be like Vlaovic at the moment. You cannot simply stay in the penalty box and hope to get a ball. You have to move more around the, 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 the field, get balls, help your team. And this is something that he doesn't do. So I think Alessandro is right. Vlaovic needs to uh, help a little bit more the team. And, you know, especially when you're playing for a big team, or you're Messi and Ronaldo, and so the team works for you. But otherwise, you have to work for them as well. Uh, so, yeah, 60-40. Obviously, now the question is, 
Di Maria and Quadrado are the perfect fit for for Vlaovic. I'm not convinced about that. Di Maria likes to finish the, the, the action, doesn't put a lot of balls in the penalty box. So that's going to be another thing. And, and again, uh, Allegri has the, 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 the job of the manager is to make your top players succeed, make them shine. And this is what Allegri is not doing. So 60-40, yeah, I agree. Marco, final word on this? 80-20. <laughs> and I'm being generous. <laughs> he's he's 22 years old. I mean, Blavich just turned 22 years old in January. He scored, I don't know, over 20 goals in I don't know how many games with Fiorentina. These are these are crazy numbers. This I think he could have stayed maybe a, a little longer at Fiorentina, but I don't think it would have make a, would have made a huge difference. I think once you have the opportunity to go to to a big team like Juventus, you you take it. But you're supposed to take a, a next level. And that's what we were saying before. Like, Allegri was told to make the, the players you have more valuable. And this is something that, is, that it hasn't happened. To be honest, Blaovic, with all of the issues that Juventus had last season, still scored like a decent amount of goals. And this year, he's already, he has two. So he always finds a way to score goals. But I don't think he's going to reach his true potential unless someone else. Uh, train him is there a chance just kind of and we've spent a long time on Juventus but we haven't done much on them so far so I, I did want to do this but can, can, I, last, can yeah. I add something Harry? of course I mean uh, also paying him a lot is an issue of this modern football let me be romantic after uh, I love 18, it when Ali's romantic mm -hmm. after 18 20 goals with Fiorentina you cannot be paid 80 million because because it's not the right price, you know? Yep. And this put pressure on the players. And obviously, when you pay a lot for a player and the player doesn't deliver, then it gets the attention, it gets the blame. But unfortunately, if we pay Vlaovic 80 million, how much should we pay for a, for, for, for a striker? I don't know. I, I, I don't have an example. How but, much did he pay for Haaland? Yeah, but that one was a particular situation yeah. because there, there was a release clause. Otherwise, they, they would have paid 200 million in order to sign him. But at the moment, if you ask me, uh, you you have a chance to take Vlaovic or Gabriel Jesus for your team. I take Gabriel Jesus because he's more complete as a player. And he proved in Manchester City, in a top club, he can stay there. You know, mm -hmm. this is the this is the situation. I mean, I, I wouldn't blame Vlaovic, but he need, he need to grow. Juventus pay 80 million to, to a striker who needs to grow and to increase his level. Yeah, fair points. Fair points indeed. Um, just finally on Juventus then, since we're playing the percentage game today, Marco, what's the percentage chance that Max Allegri is still in charge at the start of next season? Uh I don't know. Not it what would... you hope. What do you expect? <laughs> to be honest, I don't think we, I don't think we will win the league, and, and I don't, and I think if we don't win, if we don't win the league, he's gone. I think so, and I don't think we're going to win it. I think Milan will win it. Uh, so I think by the end, but he won't be, he won't be fired during the season because that's something that we don't usually do. 
We're yeah. going to hold on to him until the end of the season. We'll, if we make, unless we are at risk of making the top four, as we, as we were last season, I think he will stay until the end of the season. But by the end of it, I think if he doesn't win something, he's gone. Vittorio, do you think he'll, he'll be in charge of Juve at the start of the next campaign? Well, I think we, I don't remember his uh, contract situation because I think he has a huge contract with Juventus and uh, four years. Yeah, uh, you see, and uh, with, with the financial situation of Juventus, I think they'll have to stick with him. So I, I don't think Juventus will win the Scudetto. They're doing a great transfer market, but the manager is not the, the, the right one. So, um, but yeah, I think they're going to give him a, another chance, probably. Ali, think he'll be there at the start of the next season? They are paying seven million till 2025. I think they they need to give him another chance, you know, because when when they they call him back, basically they thought, okay, he did this, let's try to do it again. In the meantime, football has changed. Uh, Inter are back, Milan are back, uh, Roma, Lazio, Napoli are trying to improving every season. And and the Juventus level, Juventus was in danger also last season. You you yeah. should remember they, they were losing at, at the Olimpico three one. Then then Roma, uh, I don't know the, the Roma done the, the classic <laughs> Roma stuff. Yeah, exactly, ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> I can think about it. But otherwise, they would have been in danger with also with Lazio and that stuff. So uh, Juventus, I don't know if. If they can at this stage with this level, we cannot judge a season from from two two, two games. Of course, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at this level, the 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 level they showed it's lower than the, than the Roman Napoli's one. And I put Milan and Inter on top definitely. Mm. Yeah, so, for sure. And... Go on. So, but but they they chose Allegri and and they they need to go with him. Absolutely. I was listening back to last week's episode as well. And um, one of the lines that kind of really stuck with me from something that Ale said was, this is not the same Serie A that Allegri left all those years ago. He's come back to and he he needs to adapt. And, you know, if he doesn't start doing so quickly, then Juventus are going to be in a position where they're in between a rock and a hard place. You sack him and you have to pay him off and you have to get him out the door. And that can have big financial implications, particularly when clubs are still recovering from what's happened in the last couple of years, or you risk falling further behind. So either way, you can't win. Um, let's take it on from Juventus and let's talk a little bit about Milan, who we were talking about briefly just then as a side that have done things right in terms of finding that right balance between youth and, of course, experience, which they still do have quite a bit of within the group, at least. Maybe not in the starting eleven all the time, but certainly within the group. Um, they were held to a 1-1 draw by Atalanta, uh, Vittorio. Someone watching from the outside who maybe doesn't follow Serie A might think that this was a bit of a slip-up on Milan's part. I watched the game and I actually thought that this was a, this was the type of point that they will look back on at the end of the season. And although it's not ideal now, they will say that was a good bloody point. Um, what did you make of their performance, Vittorio? And, and do you agree with me? Or disagree, of course. No, I don't agree completely with you. I mean, okay. I saw Atalanta against Sampdoria and they won a match that don't think they deserve to win. Uh, I don't think it's the same Atalanta we saw in the past. And this is one of the things we have to remember. Um, 
And we saw Milan make mistakes that they didn't do last year. Last year, the secret of this club was the defence. They were so good defending. It was so tough scoring to Milan. Now, we, this is just the second match of the season and Milan allowed three goals. This is a question mark, a huge question mark. And against, against Atalanta, that, the goal Atalanta scored was a mistake from Milan defence. I mean, you know, Marinovsky shot from distance. You don't have to give him time and space to do it. Uh, plus, I didn't understand where my Manyang was going. Even if the ball was deflected, he was going on the wrong way again. So, question mark there. In the second half, Milan dominated the match. They should have done something more. But, you know, at the moment, they're missing a number nine. That's course. Leal was marked very well. He didn't create nothing. And he's the, the guy that creates sparks, right? He's the one that can change the match with his talent, with his speed, etc. He didn't do pretty much nothing. The impression is that this team is still celebrating the Scudetto. They still have to realize that the, that the season started again. And these points, for me, at the end of the season will make the difference. So that's why I'm going with Inter. Um, obviously, I like the decision they make this transfer market, etc. But I'm not seeing the Milan focus as they were last year. And I'm not convinced Atalanta will finish in the top seven this season because they have big issue. Um, I don't know if I'm right, but Zapata in the last 14 matches scored just once. And he's your number nine. Muriel doesn't see the goal since, I don't know, 2020. So, you know, you play football, but you need to score at the end. And Atalanta is struggling to score with their strikers. If they sell Marinovsky, who will score goals for Atalanta? So, uh, I don't see Atalanta finishing very well. But again, transfer market finished the 1st of September. There are like seven days to sign some players. So... We don't know what Atalanta is going to do. But I wasn't impressed, honestly. And I think Milan needs to improve a lot if they want to fight for the title. Malinovsky would be a huge loss, uh, as you say. And he'd really sort of, it would really lower their level further, wouldn't it? Even though naturally, I think they've dropped off in comparison to what they were maybe two seasons ago under Gasparini. But yeah, I mean, I personally, and it is just my opinion, think that we're being a little bit harsh on Milan in that it's two games in. And I still think, I, I still am of the opinion that draws away to Atalanta. It, it's not a result to be sniffed at. And I think over the course of the season, they'll probably look back on that and say, particularly coming from a losing position, it, it's not the end of the world. But Ale was sort of putting his thumbs up when Vittorio was speaking there. So I assume you're kind of thinking along the same lines. Talk to us. Uh, I I agree when Vittorio says... Uh... It's like they, they're still celebrating the Scudetto. But when you play Atalanta away, you never know what to expect. Despite, to me, they, they are towards the end of this project with Gasperini. I, I personally believe might be last season of Gasperini then they try to renew because Gasperini, Gasperini always complained. But however... Uh, he started complaining about transfer windows since last season. He's asking continuously for new players and players. He says, okay, Atalanta should sell, should target better player than Malinowski, who can score just six goals uh, for in, in a season. This is the kind of relationship. So the, the Atalanta situation is tricky, but when you play there, you never know what to expect. Uh, Milan... Uh, got a, a good point, but for example, there was a chance, an important chance with Tonali, who, who's trying to stepping yeah. up one more time as a leader of this of this squad. However, 
if you're a leader, then you, you see Giroud in the middle, you win the game, and that's it. Can be, can be a, a good point. Hopefully, they, they, they won't regret it at the end, because as I said at the beginning of the season, Inter is, then, Inter is there, and they don't want to miss another chance. Marco on on Milan. Uh, no, I agree. I agree with what Ale is saying. I think even if Atalanta is at the end of the cycle or at the end of this project, uh, I think it's a good point, especially at the beginning of the season. I I don't think they're still celebrating the title. I just think they probably just started a bit a bit rough. But I still see Milan as the main as the main competitor for the title. Uh, another thing I wanted because to because add... you because you don't want to see Inter, you know. No, I just I just don't see I just I just don't see Inter uh, fighting until the end, especially with Simone Inzaghi. I'm I'm not a fan, and Pioli has gotten so much better. But one thing I wanted to say about Atalanta is that I think we're starting to realize this pattern here about Gasperini being an issue as well because he's always fighting with some player. He fight with Papu Gomez. He fight with, uh, I believe it was Ilik as well. Uh, he's fighting now with Malinowski. What he said in the press is something that you cannot say. I think he's losing a bit of the, of the, um, of the people in inside of the, um, of the team. Uh, uh, honestly, uh, I think the cycle was closed last year. Yeah. They should have changed last year. I yeah. mean, he sent away Golini that I don't rate a great goalkeeper. But I mean, you're Atalanta. You have to stick with your players. And I think Golini, uh, sorry, uh, Gasperini is a little bit like Antonio Conte, right? Three years is the maximum. Afterwards, he he destroyed, out, self self destroyed. Unless yeah, he changed we, the whole squad, basically. It, yeah, but let's let's talk about also, for example, the Boga issue. You know, you sign a, a player like Boga for twenty million in January, and then. After six months, you say, okay, this is not a team player. I don't want him. If you spend 20 million for every club in Syria, especially if you're Atalanta, yeah. you need to protect your investment. Exactly. Yes. Other yeah. Otherwise, there is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to talk even about the ownership because the Americans came and I know a lot of journalists in Bergamo that were so excited. Ah, we are going to do like Milan, et cetera, et cetera. I, it doesn't look like, right? They came yeah. here just to make money. So you have to be very careful when ownership from abroad comes. And yeah, I think overall Gasperini is done and Atalanta should have sent him away last summer. Can I just take it back to Milan for a second again before we move on? Um, like again, I don't want to dwell too much on the game. You know, that it was an equaliser from Ben Asser. I thought it was a really good goal the way he cut inside yep. and, and bent it into the far corner. I've, I've shared my thoughts. I think that Milan did get a decent point. And I am, although I don't have a team in Italy, I am very much a neutral. Milan is the team that I have the most soft spot for, if I had to say one. Um, I actually look at Milan over the last couple of years. And obviously they won the Scudetto last season. They were quite close the season before. I've never looked at them though and thought, this team are a machine. This team are going to win every time they go out to play in the way that Juve did in the past, in the way that you had that mentality around Juve, in the way that you had that mentality around Inter, under Conte and under Mancini all those years ago. I, 
I've never felt that with Milan. I've always felt that they've not been at that level, partly because they've got a lot of young players and because of some of the injuries they've had. I've always felt like they've been the best of a bad bunch in that they are more consistent, but it's still not under normal circumstances enough. Um, is that just me? But I didn't think that they were that great last season. I mean, we were talking about Inter and what a failure that was and what a flop that was. They only finished two points behind them. And Napoli weren't a million miles away, seven points behind Milan. Milan were not great. And so I'm not surprised when they go and drop points like this. Is, uh, is that... Go on. I, think, I think it's true. I mean, Inter wasted a huge opportunity last year. Napoli as well. I mean, let's not forget, around January... People will say, hey, Napoli can win this time. They're playing really great football, etc. So Inter and Napoli wasted a lot of points and Milan simply stopped believing it. I thought what the impression I had last year wasn't that Milan was playing great. This, the fact is they believed they could win every single game, even without playing well. They beat Lazio last second in a match that, yeah, they played better, but they didn't do nothing ex ex exceptional. The Derby, same thing. I mean, they won a lot of matches that normally they could draw. And that's the difference. Yeah. But that's the thing though, isn't it? Like yeah. you can you can look at teams that win championships in, in any league and you can say they will have off days when they have that ability to get over the, those rough days mentally and get over the line. That is the sign of champions. We say that so often, don't we? But if you watch a team and over the course of the season, there are 10, 12 fixtures where you think, They've just about got over the line here. Then I think that that tells you that actually maybe they're not at the level that you think they are, as opposed to it being, look how mentally uh, tough they are. They got over the line this weekend. Yeah, um, I, I, I just don't see it with Milan. I don't think they're that formidable. And that's why I don't think they're guaranteed to retain the Scudetto this season. Yeah, totally agree with you. Look, uh, everything is started uh, right after the pandemic. Uh, there was Milan-Roma, and I was really surprised. We lost 2-0 in San Siro, and, 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 and I started saying, okay, what's happened to, to this team, you know? Because before the pandemic, they, they were totally average. When the Juventus uh, cycle has come to an end, the throne was empty. And if, if you're in Italy and you know Juventus is not, is not there, they are not there, and you are Milan, you, you think, okay, let's try. Let's try. Uh, Inter made some mistakes. Bologna in the derby. Uh, Napoli made some mistake. Let's don't, don't forget Empoli-Napoli last season was a suicide from, from, from Spalletti's side. Uh, Milan was there, always there. They went to Napoli, they won. They won the derby. They won last second against Lazio. They beaten Roma. It's it's not for, for this reason when when we 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 were talking about the greed. Me and Vittorio, remember me and Vittorio say, okay, for me, Inter are favorite because if I look at the squad, if uh, if I look at uh, the capacity and the power of, of the team, Inter to me are better than Milan. But if you if you don't manage to keep your lever along the whole season, Milan will be there. Exactly. This is that's this, the thing. I think from the top five teams in Italy, the one that I would say has less issues is Milan. So I, I think they're probably the most solid all around. I think, for example, Inter, 
I, I don't see them having too much depth, especially in defense. I don't know if Screener will will leave or not. Juventus, well, we already know all the issues that we have. Uh, Roma might be there, but I don't see them fighting for the title. I see them fighting more for the top four. So when you t- and, and Napoli, Napoli is Napoli. They they never win. So, so uh, <laughs> Napoli are basically the Tottenham Hotspur yeah, of Italy. Exactly. Exactly. Ah. But but yeah. but Napoli has a good team, you know. I, I'm they I'm do. interesting. I'm really interesting to see Napoli how they perform because last year, at a certain point, I was saying, you know, Napoli can really win it, and uh, this Napoli never win. And Spalletti is uh, the same. So yeah, uh, the, the problem is Spalletti. Probably he's a, he's a loser. He lost a scudetto with Roma. It's <laughs> still unbelievable. I, I so, wouldn't call but, him a loser. I, I would call him not a winner. But he will. He's he's also very solid in that he will get you the team in the top four as well. So this is what I say when I think that Milan will win it. I think they're probably the most solid one. And they already won it once. So they knowing that you can win it can give you that, that special push to do it again, I would say. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, after the um, two first games, I had the chance to, um, to watch Napoli every time. And it's a mix of feelings, you know, because as a Roma supporter, you see this great game style. They're really playing a really good football and it looks like they're enjoying it. However, I saw the situation because uh, as today, I would say, okay, Napoli are are the better in the league by far. Even though they won against Verona and Monza, I mean, and and if you look at the squad, probably, okay, they lost Insigne, they lost Mertens, but the replacement of Insigne and Mertens are good replacement because Gvara now looks impressive. Uh, Simeone is definitely better than Petagna. Probably the only the only gap to fill was the one Koulibaly with with Kim, you know. But let's see. They're missing the goalkeeper if they don't sign yeah. Navas. Yeah. So okay, yeah, but yeah. Meret is awful, guys. They'll get so. one of them, and they also they're also getting. Um, and Dembele from Spurs as well. And, and Dembele, yeah. yeah. Dembele he's already there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's already there. I think he'll, he'll do well. He'll do yeah. well in Italy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is that what we're doing now? Are we calling Kvarat Scalia Kvara? Is that, is that the... Uh... Yeah. yeah, it's way... Kvaradona, I heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that as well. <laughs> um, I don't really want to touch too much on the Napoli game. Routine win over Monza. Very comfortable win. Uh, but... Uh, and I don't even really want to talk about Victor Osimen because I don't think we'd say anything that we haven't already said before. But Kvarat Scalia, w- what a player he looks, Vittorio. What a start to life at Napoli. I think he got a goal and an assist in the first weekend and then a couple of goals and the first one in particular. They were both great goals, but the first one in particular yeah. this weekend was superb. I don't want to say I pick him for my fantasy football and obviously I won, but, you know, football <laughs> expert is that... Uh, didn't see that coming, honestly. I, already after the first day, I said, hmm, this guy looks interesting. Uh, but yeah, what, what, a, what a start of a season. What a start for, of a season for Napoli as well. Um, the problem is, and Alessandro, correct me if I'm wrong, last year Napoli uh, didn't lose for the first 14 matches. So, you know, and, and then we saw how Napoli finished the season. So relax a little bit because... Uh, uh, this is the issue with uh, with Napoli and with Spalletti, but yeah, th- they are the team that's playing better so far. So really interesting to see how they go. Um, yeah, they didn't have huge uh, 
uh, opponent at the moment because Monza and mm. Verona uh, didn't didn't impress so far. But you know, starting this well, it's it's very important because Napoli is a little bit like Rome. If you start strong, then the fan will will uh, be very confident. They will follow you. Uh, the stadium will be full, a lot of confidence, etc. So it's going to be tough to beat Napoli. But you know, it's early stages yet. Has has the San Paolo ever been full? Has that bottom tier around the side of the pitch ever been full up? I can't I, I can't think of an occasion where it has. Uh, years ago, yes. I think against yeah. Liverpool in the Champions League was the last time. And Even the bottom strange. bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, and this is yeah. this is very strange because I remember in the past San Paolo was always packed and fans were always there. This is a little bit about the problem there is between De Laurentiis, Napoli owner, and the fans. There's a big fight between fans and De Laurentiis because the fans believe that De Laurentiis is making money out of Napoli and the fans would love to see Napoli winning the Scudetto, fighting for the Champions League and so on, while De Laurentiis is trying to keep the balance sheet in order. And so, yeah. unfortunately, uh, it's very difficult for Napoli to, to win things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's take it on uh, to Roma. Uh, Alessandro, a win over Cremonese. Uh, a couple of questions I've got for you on this one. Would you say that Roma was slightly fortunate not to concede a goal at the weekend? Definitely. I mean, if you don't score and then they score the equaliser, they didn't steal anything, you know? So... Uh, I would say yes, but uh, this is what means to have Jose Mourinho with another manager. Po- probably we do uh, we we would have drawn the the, the game. So uh, now it's six points. Uh, to be honest, was a different game uh, from the one with Salernitana, uh, in in which Roma didn't concede anything. Uh, uh, Cremonese have their chances, especially with Dessers probably uh, was, was, was bitter from, from the Europa Conference League final, you know, and tried to score uh, in, in, every, in every way. But uh, six points, the real games uh, will, be, will be now against Juventus. Uh, you know, for us, it's always complicated to, to, to be there and, <laughs> and winning the game. Uh, Last season, we lost the game with with Ken's uh, scoring with his face without noticing it. So uh, it's always a tricky game against Juventus. Uh, we have lost Gini Wijnaldum and uh, complicated, you know, when, when you try and sign a midfielder important like Wijnaldum, at least for Roma, it was an important signing. And, and you, you know you will lose it until 2023. So the, the first part of the season is gone. We have lost Zaniolo, uh, but uh, I'm still convinced we need to work game by game and let's see what's happening. Ale, uh, talk to me just a little bit about Paolo Dybala and how he's adapted to life at Roma. Have you been impressed by what you've seen of him so far? Um, he lacks a bit of condition, so we, we need to expect him physically. So I, I saw some progress from, from the first game. Uh, it wasn't a, in, in, a, in a really good shape in the game against Salernitana. So we need to find a bit of pace and uh, hopefully uh, we will score the first one. No? He will like, score. He is uh, it's like, written. It's written like he will score. on When is it? Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. 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 Yeah, he will score 100%. 
I, I but, really hate it when the best game of the weekend is not on Sunday. It annoys really? me. It's Friday. It's this Friday. Okay, like, Friday. No, no, no. Ah, ah, ah. Victoria catching us like a fish. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, quickly touch on Inter, and then we'll wrap up uh, with a bit of Lazio talk. Um, routine win for Inter over Spezia. I expected them to win that game. Perhaps though, the most encouraging thing Marco was seeing Romelu Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez link up. It was almost like a throwback to a couple of seasons ago. That first goal the way that Lukaku sort of made the run into space and just cushioned the header back down uh, for Lautaro to finish brilliantly. Do you think that, I think it's going to work for Inter. Do you, are you seeing signs that that partnership could really spearhead a title challenge in the way that it did in the past? Well, I, I don't know if it's encouraging for me, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Lukaku found his dimension in Italy. He found the place where he is probably the best at. He knows he basically can bully any defense in Serie A. And yeah, he that's that's the reason why he why he cut his salary, why he wanted to come back so so badly. He knows that in Italy he can make the difference. And that's only good news for for Lautaro. I mean the first goal is literally inter 2020-2021 written all over it. I think they're gonna do well together. They do have the, uh, a nice depth in attack with him and uh, with both of them and Sheko and Correa. I just, I, I, I just still, I'm, I'm still thinking that Inter is lacking a bit of depth in the rest of the of the squad. Like, if they lose Brozovic for a bit of time, they don't have a proper replacement. I know you can sort of put Canaloglu in there, but I'm not a big fan of his. Defense, if they lose screener by the end of the of the transfer market, I mean, I don't know. I, I still see Inter fighting for the title against Milan, but I still think Milan is a bit better. This is clearly a Juventus fan hoping. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just not a big fan of of Simone Inzaghi. I, I don't. I, I think he's a bit like a Spalletti. He's not a loser, but he's not a winner. You know? Wow, Vittorio. <laughs> Vittorio is is come, ready to come back on that one. Go for it, my friend. Uh, well, no, I, I'm saving my, my voice because I'm ready to boo him for 95 minutes on Friday. But <laughs> I, I think I think he's a great manager. I mean, uh, another manager that with Lazio won the Supercoppa Italiana and the Coppa Italia so often, it's not very easy. Um, and he's perfect for the 3-5-2. Uh, I mean, Correa scored against Spezia. So, w- what are we talking about? He has Mkhitaryan on the bench for Chalanoglu. I think he has a lot of options. And if he signs even a Cherby, we'll be very happy. So, I hope that goes through. Um, the, the only question mark, and we talked about that, is Gosens, right? That's, that's where there is the only issue I have with Inter. Let's not forget that this is Serie A. It's not Premier League. I mean, every single team in Serie A has one or two issues. Juventus, Milan, Inter, Roma, Napoli, they all have issues. We don't have the money to have 22 players at the same level. We can have 16, 17, 18 maybe, etc. So that's where the problem comes. So I think in front, Inter is very well suited. Zeko 
Korea as subs, they would be starting probably everywhere else. Uh, Chalanoglu, Brozovic. It's difficult to find a replacement for Brozovic. I mean, yeah, Real Madrid probably can have the money to have a re good replacement for Brozovic, etc. But Serie A, it's very difficult. He's an incredible player. I don't think Skriniar is leaving. I think that's the message uh, Inter sent to Paris Saint-Germain last week. So, you know, with Skriniar, De Vrij and Bastoni, they have a decent defense, I would say, a very good defense. We have to see Andanovic if he continues to play or or he loses his job. But I think, and I and I and after the, the match against Spezia, I believe they are the favorite for the Scudetto. So, uh, yeah, still stick for my with my prediction, especially seeing mm. how Milan and Juventus are performing. You mentioned Correa there as well, scoring the goal. Great composure to finish that chance off, by the way, like sort of to not panic and sort of chop the defender and put it in the back of the net. And we talked about Martinez and Lukaku combining. Well, he and Dzeko combined really well, didn't they, um, for that goal? Let's, also, let's not forget that they, they had to win against Lecce in the 95th minute, so... It's not like it has been great so far for Inter. No, but should we... Th th this is the thing, right? It's so difficult at this stage in the season yeah. because teams haven't really got going yet. It's hard to kind of make concrete conclusions, I think, on, on a lot of teams. But they've got six points on the board at the end of the day. And I guess at this point in the season, that's the main thing. Also, as well, one thing I've really noticed in the last couple of weeks... How much of a threat in the air is Denzel Dumfries from set pieces? I never thought that of him in the past. But he's somebody who's just got such a great leap on him and, and gives them a real target. That's not really something you'd associate normally with a wing back. So um, that's really, really interesting. To finish up, we're going to talk Lazio. Um, I said at the start of the show that it wasn't exactly a great game, but I am always interested to hear Vittorio's thoughts on his beloved Lazio. You said earlier on a nil-nil draw or a point at Torino was, I guess, respectable. Talk to us about how the game went and, and what were your takeaways from it? Well, Juric is a great manager. I'm surprised he's at Torino. Honestly, two years ago when he left Verona, I thought he was ready for Fiorentina, Lazio, something like that. He's a great manager and he makes really tough to play against. He's very good manager. He, he has this type of football, mark full pitch. So you really mm. struggle to play great football. And we saw it. Lazio struggle a lot. Um, the problem is... He, they don't have below, they sold a lot of good players, so it's not the Torino of last year, but still, I, I love Sanabria. I mean, Sanabria is a player I would love to have in my club as, as a sub, obviously. And um, Lazio struggled in the first half, in the second, Lazio had three great chances. And you know, watching the match, watching the chance Milinko is savage miss, I thought, well, his brother is in goal, he did it on purpose, he didn't want to score to his brother because otherwise, that was a huge chance. And, uh, yeah, I think overall Lazio deserve to win. But if you don't score like Atlanta's doing, then this is what you get. Uh, not happy because we're playing against Inter on Friday. So, you know, I don't know if we will get points out of that match because Inter is a great team. But, I mean, I'm happy about the performance of Lazio and the project. I, I love the project. I already talked about it. We signed Youngster and we're looking to the future, not this year, I think. Basically, uh, they're giving Sari the tools that Sari uh, needs yeah. to build a team. Go on, Ali. I, I have a question for Vittorio. Uh, yep. When I'm, I'm really curious to see Marcos Antonio in action. When when yeah. when we will have the chance to to watch him? I don't know. I was hoping that because one of the things that didn't work, it's our midfield was very physical, 
but lack of talent. Without Luis Alberto, without Marcos Antonio, we didn't move the ball very fast. And this helped definitely Torino. I think Marcos Antonio is a very interesting player and he's young. So I want to see him play because I think if he starts, he will never get off. So I'm really curious to see this type of player. I'm impressed by Cancellieri, who's another youngster coming from Roma, by the way. So, you know, there are a couple of talents players uh, in Lazio. I hope they will have the chance to shine this season. They love our former player, Harry. Yeah, Pedro is back. <laughs> Guys, thank you so, so much for joining me on this edition of Simply Serie A. Vittorio, uh, as always, let people know how they can follow you and keep up to date with your great work. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Vittorio Campa or on YouTube searching Vittorio Campanile or Lazio Lounge, the podcast in English about Lazio. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Ale, how can people keep up to date with the great work that you do over at 90 Min? Oh, you, you can follow, obviously, our Instagram account, 90 Min underscore Italia, our YouTube account, 90 Min underscore Italia, and then obviously me on Instagram, Alessandro Demiti. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Marco, thank you so much, mate. Great debut. Uh, you've done a cracking job. Really, really enjoyed hearing your thoughts. Uh, on Juventus and all things Serie A. How can people follow you on social media, my friend? Well, first of all, thank you for having me because I needed to rant today about Allegri. <laughs> so thank you very much. Um, well, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at mbiferi, B-I-F-E-R-I. Uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Fantastic stuff. Make sure you give all of the guys a follow. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Simply Serie A. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, what on earth are you doing? Get subscribing and, of course, leave us a review. We'll be back next week to look back at week three's action from the Serie A. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Ciao. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly. An AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.